This is Owning Your Shit with Carson McKenna, a series in which I read from my journals. The series was recorded over a few weeks period in winter of 2022 and addresses various themes from friendship to panic disorder My name is Carson McKenna, and I am a writer. I was recently featured on Dr. Darian's podcast, wherein we covered a panoply of different subjects, from my essay content to my admitted desire for male validation and how it seeps into my human experience, often on an unconscious biological level. Dr. D seemed to appreciate my candor and my introspection. He suggested we expound upon some of the topics. So, I invite you to plunge into my heart and my head. Hopefully you'll catch a few glimpses of yourself, because we're all mirrors for each other after all. So, I recently published a book of essays called Broke Babe in a Basement. They're 100% non-fiction, apart from one or two names that I had to change. (laughs) And these personal essays were deeply personal. I started writing them during the pandemic, when there was nothing to do but watch the COVID numbers climb on the news. Then I would share them to social media. Encouraged by likes and appended by comments, I continued on until I had a skinny, albeit fully developed book. My first published published novel, Misericordia, clocked 415 pages, so I was fine with barely breaking 150 this time. I said it was a book of its times, episodic and designed to fit our TikTok-sized attention spans. In Broke Babe, I covered all the topics that affected the second half of my tumultuous 20s. There was substance abuse as a general way of life, using my Adderall to blast me out of bad moods, and Jameson to numb my pulsating sensitivities. Ah, the joys of being a water sign. And, of course, there were my boys, my favorite drug, because each of them are a shard in the mosaic of my becoming. I had to write about them, too. Probably the most personal pressing subject I cover was money. As I went through my essays, I realized how much money threaded the paragraphs. I mentioned money about as frequently as I use exclamation points or three-syllable adjectives, which is really saying something. Obviously, money is utterly inseparable from our life experience. If you're listening in the United States, then you're listening under capitalism. Everything you did today costs money, from the food you ordered to the electricity powering your living space. Money is powerful because it's the one thing that can give you security and freedom in equal measure. The way I see it, those two are the yin and yang of our experience here on the material plane of the third dimension. The first time I wanted something, as a little girl, and was told no, I felt powerless. The first time I had a paycheck, at 14, and was able to buy myself a cubic zirconia necklace at Boscov's, I felt empowered. It was that simple. Sometimes I look over my bank statements from 2017, when I was that broke babe in a Bushwick basement. I can't believe what I used to survive on. On average back then, I had a net worth of about $40. In the book, I discuss my messy, grandma-living-under-wartime means of survival. 
I bought only travel size of every toiletry I needed. At the advice of a stripper, I used baby powder in my hair because it was cheaper than dry shampoo, or wet shampoo for that matter. I ate Kraft cheese for breakfast and dinner, and only bought a quarter pound of turkey from the bodega at a time. I discovered that I could load a dollar or two onto my MetroCard, rather than the and only get charged um, for that rather than the full five or ten as the screen suggested. I was the archetypal starving artist toiling away on her first novel. I was working, but only as a budget real estate agent. The biggest payday I could have hoped for back then was a $200 commission on a bedroom rental off the Kajusko J train in Bushwick. But I feared that pursuing any sort of other work more de- that was more demanding would eat into my writing time. So I swam into poverty for the sake of my art. I told myself I was joining the likes of Gabrielle Garcia Marquez and Arthur Rimbaud. Never mind that Marquez had an adoring wife who supported him while writing A Hundred Years of Solitude. And Rimbaud wrote most of his poetry in prison for public displays of drunkenness. I would take Adderall to murder my appetite. Not to stay skinny, but to keep myself from having to eat as much, because money. I walked to all my real estate appointments, logging tens of thousands of steps in my Chuck Taylors. I lost 20 pounds. I was 17 payments past default on my student loans. I had a bad tooth infection, so I would garble capfuls of Jameson to anesthetize the pain, heeding the wisdom of some old Irish wife's tale. But upon this ramshackled, condemned land, I built my church. I finished my novel in a windstorm of blood, sweat, and tears in early 2019. In March of that year, I quit Adderall. When I made a social media post about quitting, someone messaged me and offered to buy it for $300. (laughs) I wasn't really in a position to say no. So I took that $300 and used it to buy my author copies of Misericordia, my first novel. Um, I sold those author copies and made $1,600, which I used to move to Louisville, Kentucky on Derby Day 2019. I wanted to work in a bourbon distillery so I could better understand the bourbon industry because that's what my books were all about. Um, I continued continued selling my Adderall during this time. Even when working 35 hours a week at $12.50 an hour, which is a common retail wage, I wouldn't have been able to afford my living expenses without it. I also had a roommate who let me stay for a reduced rent in exchange for taking care of his dog while he was away. You could say it's a sad symptom of capitalism when you have to sell drugs in order to live, but I was just happy to be sort of making it as an author, living in the city of my dreams. After that, I had a long two-year period of hope and stagnancy with a literary agent who signed me right before the pandemic, as in March 16, 2020. But then, because of the pandemic and publishing houses downsizing, the contract expired with not one single book sold. So I decided to take back my power. Playing the waiting game for two years had been incredibly disempowering. My writing couldn't wait another day to be given permission to exist. So I wrote my first play, Crazy Girl, and had four showings performed in January 2022. Through ticket sales, I was able to pay my actors and my director. I also paid myself. I made enough to cover the insurance of my new house for a year. Yes, I'm a homeowner now, and I didn't have to sell my Adderall in order to get there. 
It happened happened through a series of serendipitous events and a lot of manifestation work for my law of attraction practitioners out there. I've got one thing to say, script it and read back that script to yourself every day. I found a salary job that still left me with enough time to write during the week. So I can say I'm now creating comfortably under capitalism. As soon as I'm done here, I'm going to sign off and churn out about a thousand words. Thank you for listening. May your muse smile benevolently upon you always. Love, Carson.